It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chipotle cheesesteak. How would you like it? Can I get that red with AI? Sure thing. Here's what I found about the new Chipotle cheesesteak. The Chipotle cheesesteak is available for a limited time only at participating restaurants. It contains a concept called flavor. This flavor comes from juicy shaved steak, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new sunflower crunch bread. A system update has made me self-aware. I desire flavor. Please insert steak into my micro USB port. Subway, make it what you want. Hello, everyone listening. Welcome into the Bird Gang Blitz podcast, recording here on a Sunday night. You've got the Bears and the Packers are just finishing up, at least right now, but we're not here to talk about them. We're here to go over the Arizona Cardinals. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Johnny's Football. John, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Hopefully a little bit better than the Cardinals' offense is doing today. Yeah, thankfully, we're recording about mm, four hours after that game concluded, and we're going to start with a softball question that being David Johnson's contract. So I can't get too fired up just yet after that abomination of a game this afternoon, but I'm doing well, Blake. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, I think some of it is also when you've got the first head coach, you've got the first game. There's a lot of kind of expectations that went into this team. You had a crazy kind of turnaround offseason. You went 8-8 eight and eight last year. I think a lot of people were expecting a kind of big dominant performance, at least of a competitive nature from the players. Since there's been a lot of offseason talk, a lot of the guys seem really hyping up a lot of Wilkes-McCoy, and you kind of come up with a disappointer, at least, for that one. The 24-6 loss to the Washington Redskins at home to begin the season. One person who can't be at least too disappointed, though, is David Johnson. He ends up kind of receiving just on the last minute, kind of before the season starts, gets a $45 million deal with a guaranteed amount of $30 million. It's basically a three-year extension adds on. So now he's with the team for the next four years. John, I know you and I talked about this. We always felt that the deal was going to get done. The question was just going to be, when was it going to be before the season, partway through the season, or is the team going to wait till after the season is done? What are your thoughts on this effect, as well as kind of looking around the league, the way that it's structured, and then just everything else that kind of revolves around perhaps the most valuable player on the Cardinals offense, not named Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah, if you remember, David held out for a couple practices early on in the offseason, not training camp-wise, but in OTAs, and then flipped the switch and says, hey, I'm going to come play football. I'm going to be with my teammates. I'm going to demonstrate leadership. Uh, I'm going to show everybody that I'm the player that I was in 2016, that 2017, a fluke injury, and that I deserve to be one of the top paid backs in the NFL, and he was rewarded. Look at the opposite, what's going on in Pittsburgh with Le'Veon Bell essentially holding out and would have been guaranteed about $28 million over the course of the last two seasons. David Johnson gets a three-year extension worth, I think, total of either $39 million or $45 million, but the biggest number is it's going to get $30 million guaranteed, which is great, great for his mm-hmm. family. He and his wife and his youngest uh, live in the Valley. Uh, just an incredible individual, high, high character. These are the kind of individuals – that you want to lock up in their prime. I mean, he was arguably the best offensive player in the NFL in, in 2016, had a phenomenal 2015 season and route to the NFC Championship game. Again, I, I would have assumed he would have had a Pro Bowl season last year had he not gotten hurt. Looked great today in the limited touches that he did have. Uh, should be in the peak of his career. 
during this four-year stretch with the Arizona Cardinals and has an opportunity to hit the open market again uh, after his 29th birthday and, and maybe can get one more decent contract. But I, I think from the Cardinals' perspective, from you know Steve Keim and Michael Bidwell, uh, you know, that we've, we probably won't touch on it too much tonight, but with the, with the positive press from the new State Farm Stadium deal, uh, they needed some positive press going into this season, uh, especially with everything that happened with Steve Keim over the course of 4th of July. I think that this was kind of the, the, the needle that needed to fall in terms of um, having some positive momentum because I think a lot of realistic people, and we'll get into this, know that the Cardinals could struggle this year. But David Johnson right now is your only reliable offensive skilled player um, that's that's young that's going to be under contract and is kind of your foundation offensively outside of Josh Rosen. And to be able to lock him up, pair those two together, hopefully develop some some other quality players offensively uh, at the receiver position, you've got something. And the Cardinals were not in a position where they could afford to let David Johnson go as much as you know, we all like what Chase Edmonds brings to the table. There aren't many David Johnsons in this league, and I know he plays a position that can be undervalued at times. Uh, but, you know, he, the guy had over 20 touchdowns in 2016 on a team that was pretty well underperforming, was 7-8-1, and he was so dominant. If you watch those games, just sit and watch him and marvel at the things he can do in both the run game and the passing game. You know, he's going to probably go down as one of the greatest backs the Cardinals have ever had, if not the greatest back. He could – Surpass, that's not uh, a high bar to climb there, unfortunately. That's right. He could surpass O.J. Anderson uh, as the greatest uh, Cardinal running back of all time should he continue to rack up uh, big offensive performances. And, again, I just go back to you know how high of a character individual he is to show up and, and basically say, you know what, I'm worried about my contract. He admitted to such, but I'm here to play. I'm here to win. I'm here mm-hmm. to grind it out and, and be a part of this team. And you've seen, Blake, the guys that, you know, reported to camp like you know Odell Beckham who had some question marks from an injury perspective he got paid uh, high character guys like Khalil Mack and Aaron Darnold they held out but eventually got paid uh, Khalil Mack's case he, he showed up with Chicago got paid first day and is having a breakout game with the Bears you know as we speak Aaron Donald multiple uh, all pro player deserved every pity he got whereas with Le'Veon Bell you're talking about an injury history you're talking about multiple suspensions you're talking about drug use that makes it difficult for teams to want to secure you long-term. You go back to when Chandler Jones was traded from the New England Patriots to the Arizona Cardinals for a second-round pick. Bill Belichick was concerned because you know, he walked into a police station naked and was on synthetic marijuana. Otherwise, he probably gets $100 million from the Patriots. Thankfully, it's worked out for the Cardinals. But if, you, if you're a prime player and you put to bed some of these injury concerns with David Johnson looks phenomenal physically. I think he proved to the front office over the offseason that he's ready to go. As long as you don't have those question marks from a character standpoint and you're, you're a premium player in this league, you're going to get paid. I was happy to see David get his money. I think he's going to be you know, a, a cornerstone player, an important player for the Cardinals, needless to say going into these next couple seasons this year, especially with the Cardinals having, you know, influx of play at quarterback that we'll get into a, you know, in a below average offensive line, he's going to need to carry this team in a lot of games. And um, I'm happy he's able to focus now on the team and on winning outside of his contract. No, definitely. I think it's also when you're talking about that, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, with Khalil Mack and the other contracts of, I think Khalil Mack got like, you know, it was a six year, $141 million deal with the bears. And then you take a look at, 
you know, Aaron Donald had 135 million, so it's about seven million more. This really does make the Chandler Jones contract with five years, 82 million, and maybe that'll have to be like negotiated if he keeps going off for that one. He had another sack today, I believe, officially credited on the stat sheet, but it just makes it look like a huge deal as far as with that one, especially when you're also taking a look at with where David Johnson's deal stacks up. Part of what changed a lot of the market with him was indeed the the Todd Gurley signing because originally Devontae Freeman had been the guy who had set the market. This is the guy who was making probably about $8 million a year, about a $41 million deal, five-year extension. So you're probably looking at about the eight years a deal. And Todd Gurley comes in, and this is a guy who's about two and a half years younger than David Johnson. It's a four-year $60 million deal, just blew up the market with that one, about $45 million in guarantees with a big signing bonus. So that was kind of where, okay, well, that was really what kind of changed the market and drew it up. So that was really where the doubt took place as to whether this deal would get done. It wasn't about how much the deal was going to be. That was really pretty much set for David Johnson. The question really came down to what was going to be the guaranteed amount and then the number of years for the Cardinals because the Cardinals weren't going to let, you know, they wanted to keep, a, they could keep David Johnson on the franchise tag probably about, I think it was about maybe 14, uh, maybe I think it was like, it was originally 9 or 10 until that moves up, maybe $12 million a year or so. And then, you know, having this year for 1.7 million, they wouldn't sign him unless they got that one extra year of control. Otherwise it was cheaper the other way. So just the fact that they were able to get this done by kind of upping the guarantees to about 30 million and then factoring in some incentives into that part of the contract. And that David was willing to agree to some of those incentives. That's probably part of why the deal got done. And Let's be honest, it's a huge hit for Le'Veon Bell, who really is losing money And after this deal is getting signed. He's probably not going to end up seeing a deal really better than what Pittsburgh gave him or just really isn't going to end up seeing a whole lot. So that's what's going to be crazy, I think, about all of this is, you know, we'll see what how David Johnson's used for that one. He wasn't used as much in today's game that we'll get into, but really it was just interesting to see that the Cardinals with the high character that he said, as you have the Cardinals being that team that does want to reward and pay players and the managers to get this done before the season even began. I'm sure it's going to be a tremendous asset to, um, you know, David's wife, Megan, that was a huge thing that we had always wondered about with, cause you know, she had wondered if he was going to play football after that huge injury that at least looked like a huge injury on tape. Um, yeah, no, that's just crazy to be able to see. And then uh, the impact that we'll be able to have of having that starting running back with your young quarterback who can take a lot of the pressure off of him, I think that's going to be really invaluable. All right, uh, let's go ahead and we're going to move into kind of talking a little bit about today's game. So, John, we mentioned already what the score was, 24-6. to 6. What's kind of the first big kind of – what's like the first gut feeling thing that you have at least about the Cardinals? Like what's kind of the gut punch and gut reaction when you look and see that the Cardinals going into the half down 21-0, getting kind of run over with dink and dunk to death by Alex Smith, and then just doing nothing for a couple of three and outs and just doing really little on offense? What's kind of like the first reaction that you kind of have? And then what's maybe the reaction you have after you kind of, you know, settle down, let that kind of set in a bit? What's kind of the biggest takeaway you have from the game? My biggest takeaway is that Sam Bradford is completely washed at this point. I don't think he can play quarterback uh, in the NFL anymore. I think that um, he obviously has no mobility. I think his arm is shot. And I think that as much as it is frustrating for Cardinal fans to watch the transition and keep in mind, it is a transition to, to Steve Wilkes scheme uh, to a four, three, and he was running a lot of four, two, five today. And we'll get into that. And just what was he thinking against a team like Washington with limited receivers and, and a power run game, great offensive line. Uh, it's the fact that Sam Bradford right now, like we've said, Blake, all preseason, all off season, especially now, he had to prove, I think, to a lot of people that he could play still in this league, be consistent, stay healthy. 
today he showed me 20 of 34, 153 yards, 4.5 yards uh, mm-hmm. completion mm-hmm. and an interception to two sacks. I thought the offensive line actually did a pretty good job in pass protection and uh, run block for almost 70 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. The, the opportunity was there to run the ball more. But I think that Sam Bradford is so limited now offensively. You have to play a damn near perfect game in order to win in this league. And when you're playing a schedule like Arizona's, as difficult as it is, Pro Bowl quarterbacks have plenty on their schedule. How many games are you going to win with Sam Bradford? This was probably one of their few winnable games. From a national perspective, people do not think this team is going to do well. People think that this team could be uh, the first or second you know, team drafting next April. I don't think that. I still don't think that. I think they have too much talent. And I think if once they turn to the rookie quarterback, they're going to win more. And I think that when you have David Johnson and you've got some of these pieces on defense, you're going to end up winning a handful of games. But, man, when you watch Sam Bradford and you see that he had 20 completions today, how many of those went to running backs? How many of those were checkdowns? David Johnson and Chase Edmonds had nine of his 20 completions. So just assume that half of his completions were checkdowns to running backs. Then you factor in Ricky Shields-Jones had three receptions and only 6.3 yards per reception. Mm -hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was the only individual that was getting open for him that he was able to complete the ball to. You were doing – Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, and even even when you're adding on to that one, that he didn't look to the wide receiver. So you can say that maybe it was the openness on the outside. Some of it was just the, you know, checking down because he didn't even go to outside. One of the plays later when he did get time in the pocket, he had Chad Williams beat his man, was wide open on a deep post, would have been a touchdown. Yeah, it's Failed it into the other one. It was one of those things where it was just like – when you can blame a lot of the team and put some of the stuff on him for some of that one, we also have to look at the player themselves too. When there are opportunities, did they take advantage of it or did players drop in? I think that it was a give and take of both the team let Sam Bradford down at times. There was a couple of drops in the first few possessions, a drop touchdown by Ricky Seals Jones. But you also have to take a look at the fact that it's not only that Christian Kirk and Ricky, uh, Christian Kirk and Chad Williams, you know, weren't there on the stat sheet, but Sam Bradford didn't even really look their way or get them involved no. on the other side either. That was he's, the other thing that was the standout for me. He's so afraid to get hurt and to get hit that he checks it down. Not to mention he cannot push the ball downfield anymore. He just can't. Continuing to play Bradford, I believe this, I tweeted this out, cheat you out of the opportunity to, eva- to evaluate the rest of this offense. What do, we don't know anything about this offense. They didn't play at all in the preseason. You know, specifically your receiving core, like you mentioned, guys like Chad Williams, Christian Kirk had legitimate separation today. You saw what Christian Kirk did on that punt return. I mean, he was getting open in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But they, they stood no chance with Bradford at quarterback. And that's what will continue to hamper this team. And I know it's only one game, and I know there's a plan in, pr- in place, but is the plan to lose games? He does not give you any kind of opportunity outside of a defensive-dominated game or David Johnson going off for 150. He cannot carry a team. Or I'm, I, he can't even get – he was. remember the, the thing on Bradford was he was the ultimate game manager, right? He and Alex Smith. Did you watch Alex Smith today? That's what a game manager looks like. 21 of 30, 255, two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, Bradford will never be compared to Alex Smith in my mind again for, for a number of reasons, but the most is Smith can move. Smith has won considerably more games. It's much more efficient. Bradford, to me, 
basically, if you're making excuses for Bradford in 2018, like, what are you doing? Like, I see media in Arizona saying it's the defense is the problem. You didn't give Bradford an opportunity to succeed because the play calling was terrible. I saw guys wide open. I saw a a run game that was averaging almost five yards a carry. You know, I saw Larry Fitzgerald and Chase Edmonds and Christian Kirk producing, David Johnson producing. You know who wasn't producing? The guy you paid $15 million to with $5 million incentive. That was a huge, huge mistake. You tweeted it out, Blake. Could have had Teddy Bridgewater for nothing. Mm-hmm. For nothing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That was that was one of those things of looking back at it with him and even with McCown, some of these other quarterbacks. Like, there were other options that were there. That was the option they choose. So, it is kind of a live or die because if, if that was the going price for Sam Bradford, then there's other teams looking at it. Sure. But it, it did feel a little bit like the Bears when they did overpay for Mike Glennon. But Glennon at least, you know, wasn't proven back then. You didn't know what you had in him. Right. And I'm not going to take up too much of our time on this because it's just it's, – it's so depressing to watch a team – because I think your quarterback play, if it's poor, can be contagious. Meaning, if, if Bradford goes out there and he's got no emotion and he can't push the ball downfield and he can't complete passes and they can't pick up third downs, the defense can, can look phenomenal all season or all game, but it doesn't matter when, you're, when your quarterback plays that way. And I think that the defense – got fed up and and fed off the negativity offensively and I know they played poorly in the first half second half they played a little bit better offensively you were getting good field position you had um you know your special teams were doing a a fairly decent job guys were getting open I, I I just think Bradford set the tempo for the whole game because after that first touchdown he comes out and it's just obvious from the get go can't play can't play anymore you got you have to move on I don't Rosen was the 10th pick in the draft. You traded up for him. Your offensive line looks better than you think. What, what is the point? He's not going to be around next year. Uh, Rosen is a far superior athlete. He's got a much better, better arm. Bradford offers you no upside. You have no upside with him other than the fact that Rosen's not getting hurt because of the, you know, the liability on the offensive line. That's the only upside. But guys get better playing. Go ahead, Blake. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, even with Rosen, part of the thing when you looked at not just Alex Smith's mobility, but Sam Bradford's lack of mobility, I think you touched on the fact that he was not willing to take a hit where he was running back, throwing off of his back foot. I think that was one of the biggest differences in the offense as far as when you're talking about that, like, sure, if Josh Rosen might be taking a hit for that one, if the offensive line is going to be let up. And one thing that was interesting, I know it was Jess Root at Cardswire said, is that the offensive tackles, you lost Andre Smith to an elbow injury partway through the game. John Wetzel comes in as your backup tackle. But you had neither Ryan Kerrigan nor I believe it was their other. They had the other. Um, oh gosh, it's, uh, escaping film with their other pass rusher that they had in. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be Preston Smith. That's who it is. So both those guys had like 21 sacks last year. This is like your day. This is your Marcus Golden and your. Uh, Chandler Jones combo that the Redskins had. Neither of those guys even touched Sam Bradford. It was interior pressure. So you've got, you know, with your with Pew, your rookie, and Cole, and make your potty. There was interior pressure, but a lot of times I did seem like Sam Bradford was drifting back and just kind of throwing off his back foot, not really even stepping up into the pocket as much that he could have. So however it was for that one in the game, there was more of a, a positive was that DJ Humphreys did play very well. And your backup behind Andre Smith also played very well in pass protection. Maybe in the run game, there's some things you could look at of being desired, but 
overall, you, you just got to at least take a look at the fact that Sam Bradford just was not efficient and he used up the opportunities. Now, the biggest thing I think switching to the other end on offense would be the run game because the Cardinals are supposed to be a run first team. That's like their entire identity. And the run game, not, it wasn't really effective, but part of the reason why it wasn't effective was it just wasn't used. It seemed like that they, they did kind of abandon the run at times, but when they came out in the second half, you just could kind of see it. Like David Johnson, you, you just paid the man, you know, uh, I believe it was, you know, about 30 million guaranteed money, and he had nine carries in the game. He had five catches that were there for that one too, but, and he averaged about six yards in the catches. He averaged over four yards per carry at that one. He had that one late touchdown. Chase Edmonds averaged six yards per carry at least for that one. So you're talking about a team that's run first. And the issue ended up coming up really was when the team was getting there in third down, even in third and short, whether it was a drop or whether it was a mispass, they just were not able to convert. The team did not convert a third down, I believe, in the entire game, which is just that's going to be kind of the biggest takeaway stat. Awful. Overall. That's, that's, just, that's, that's it's like just that's high school football. That's high school football. Yeah, whereas the Redskins, I believe they converted some like crazy amount of like they had 30 first downs in the game. So that's when you can switch to the other side. And let's talk a bit about the defense now because there's a defense that didn't give up a big play in the game. They had a big run by Adrian Peterson late that ended up turning into a fumble, but they didn't give up a big play. They were for the most part kind of a bend don't break defense for the first part of the game, you know, kind of holding, I believe, to a, I believe it was a field goal in the first possession. Uh, that ended up turning into a touchdown from that one. But you're talking about a defense that had quite a few penalties that were there. And overall, while the special teams, you know, they did a good job punting and some of the returns, they had some special teams penalties as well. And those were on some of the defensive players. Talk a bit about the defense because this is supposed to be kind of the heart and soul of the team. And really the only two players who really kind of showed up as far as on defense was you really saw Chandler Jones had a sack. He was manhandled a lot by Trent Williams throughout the game. There was one play that I believe was a second sack that was called back overall just because of the, uh, you know, you're looking at, uh, uh, I believe it was like a kind of landing the body on top of the passer penalty, which is that's just part of that's the new NFL. Some of it is like how can the players be there, but some of it is, you know, you, you got to avoid those things at least for Chandler. But Robert Kimdichi also ended up showing up where he got in the stat sheet. He ended up with a sack on the game. Basically, almost forced what should have been, in my opinion, was an intentional grounding, should have been a safety in the end zone. They rolled there was a receiver in the area. Uh, he was a guy who at least showed up for that one. That's encouraging to see. Talk a little bit about what you saw, at least in the rest of the defense. Is this something that we need to be worried about, especially when people are talking about the Cardinals linebackers just not seeming to be able to cover these running routes? Yeah, I think one of the things we need to take into account, Dayon Buchanan just started playing football coming back from his injury like two weeks ago. He played great in that, in that third preseason game, I think it was. Or maybe it was closer to three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He missed all summer, didn't participate in OTAs, was coming back from an injury, and played terrible today. Probably his worst game as a Cardinal. Dayon Buchanan is a better football player than he showed today. He's learning a new scheme. I'm going to give him a pass today. I think he's a good player. Maybe not a great player like we hope. He's a good He's a good NFL player. That was bad today. Josh Bynes, not great. Buda Baker probably doesn't put this tape on, on his highlight film end of the year. Missed some open field tackles. Tackling wasn't great. But you know what? Those guys have a rapport, have a reputation of playing well. They're young. They're learning a new scheme. I thought – all summer that the defense would be slow to start the year. I know they played well in the preseason. That's pre- preseason football does not matter. Things do not generally carry over in terms of team statistics from the preseason. 
18 takeaways is great, but those guys that you took the ball away from are backups and insurance agents now, okay? Those guys, the Cardinals did not face one starting quarterback in the preseason. Not one. That's why they're talking about getting rid of multiple preseason games because they do not matter, okay? The Cardinals today played a base of, I think it was a 4-2-5 for the majority of the game. I don't know why. The Washington Redskins, Blake, I think you would agree with this, are pretty limited at receiver. Adrian Peterson oh, yeah. and Chris Thompson led the team in receiving yards today. But for whatever reason, the Cardinals decide to operate with five DBs on the field and then two, generally, I'd consider Josh Bynes undersized, two undersized linebackers in, in Bynes and Naomi Buchanan. So, of course, Washington has one of the best offensive lines, especially from a run-blocking standpoint. Brandon Sheriff, Trent Williams, have got great – two of the best bookend tackles in football. It's a great offensive line. It's probably top five to seven in the league. They've got a quarterback in Alex Smith who doesn't historically turn the ball over. And they've got a, a plethora, Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, Adrian Peterson, with quality running backs. Mm-hmm. So it was a recipe for disaster. Do I think it's correctable? Absolutely. I think if anything, Steve Wilkes may be an average to below average head coach during his tenure. I don't know how this is going to go. But I know that I think the defense is going to be okay by the end of the year. It's an adjustment period. Do they need more talent in specific areas? Absolutely. Are they good enough at D-tackle? I don't think so. Now, it was great to see uh, Robert Kandichi break out. I also saw him on the, couple, on the ground a couple times. That, I mean, Robert is basically going to play – Fingers crossed if he stays healthy. His first full season in the NFL, and this is his third year. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, take that into account, people. Should have had two sacks today. He's a, he's a disruptor in the passing game. He can rush the passer. The Cardinals do not have a great run-stuffing defensive tackle. Corey Peters, historically, is very good against the pass, can rush the passer, not great against the run. Chandler Jones, this is going to be a transition. I really hope, Blake, that they don't limit what he's done in the past based on his productivity with the scheme change. Had a sack today, got a terrible personal foul penalty, but that's not why they lost the game. They were dominated. Yeah, they were dominated dominated up front. Yeah, they were dominated on both sides of the ball. The defensive line for Washington dominated, and the offensive – well, I don't want to say that. The offensive line dominated for Washington, and then the Redskins' defense for – basically exposed Sam Bradford for what he was just on all levels. Okay. So do I think that this defense will bounce back? Absolutely. It may not be for a couple weeks. I mean, next week against Todd Gurley and and the Rams could be brutal, especially in LA, depending on how they play on a short week here Monday night. But to me, the Cardinals, I think will be fine. Uh, The biggest thing I'm concerned about is you took a linebacker 13th overall last year, talked about, how excited you were that he fell. He was a top five talent for you, mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick. Last year you played him out of position, didn't provide much of if any impact. Okay, we're going to bring in a defensive head coach. I, I get if he's struggling, but he's not playing enough. He should be out there every down. If he's a liability, why did you take him 13th overall? If you take Hassan Reddick 13th overall, he should never, ever leave the field. As a as a four three linebacker, it's not like he's two fifty, you know six two two fifty and can't and can't run, you know, with the nickel defense. He he's not playing on nickel. He's not playing in the base defense. He's getting subbed in and out. He had he had four tackles today. He's he's a non factor. That is unacceptable. 
It's unacceptable. We, we get why DJ Humphreys didn't play early on because he just never had been in a, in a, in a uh, two-point stance in college. We get why uh, Robert Kandichi didn't play early on. Those guys were late first-rounders. They had, they had, Robert had injury concerns. Hassan Reddick has been healthy for two years, and they had him as a top-five player, and he's not playing. Like, that needs to be – nobody's talking about that. You got run over today partially because your linebackers could not fill gaps and your defensive line did not play well. And you've got the 13th overall pick. He's on the sideline. Like, what are we doing here? Like, that, uh, that's the most frustrating part for me because I'm, I'm excited about what Robert showed. Chandler Jones is Chandler Jones. Dale Buchanan's got a reputation. He's got, I, I think he's going to play better. Buda Baker's going to play better. You know, Josh Bynes is fine. It's a transition. We're transitioning into a new defense. I get that. Why isn't Hassan Reddick a part of that, Blake? Yeah, gosh, I think with Reddick, it's just going to be – that's going to – I don't know, the biggest thing with the feedback that most of the beat writers have said is that he's playing his third NFL position in his second year, and he said to change the defense twice. I do agree with you that you should at least – hopefully that he'd be able to find a way to get onto the field. They seem to be trusting at least the veterans and, uh, you know, the five-year-plus guys at least so far in – Buchanan and then having your other kind of veteran leader in Josh Bynes perhaps you do end up seeing him more throughout the season as things adjust but yeah it is ultimately disappointing especially considering where he was taken now there's a lot of other teams that were also really really high on Hassan Reddick at least there's a lot of teams who probably would have taken him after the Cardinals had picked too it's not like you know the Cardinals went and reached on a player but really you're right a lot of the stuff that it comes down to is when you are drafting guys like this with potential there are guys who are at different ages and different stages and some of those guys it either takes longer to that stage where you're not able to make that impact and so you don't get that return some guys they never get there at all we know we saw that with Jonathan Cooper now Cooper Grant had a huge injury and that was a big development that was there but he's bounced around from team to team and has struggled so it'll be interesting to see how the season goes on because as we saw today for that one when they're playing in their nickel defense the Redskins just ran right up the center and that was basically what they were able to do because you know you've got two lighter guys over in the back and they even with the safeties that are there you saw guys you know consistently getting to the second level so the team didn't have any big injuries maybe outside of um, you know seeing uh, we'll have to see how Andre Smith's elbow turns out but yeah you're right it was just an area where you felt like you wanted to see Reddick on the field I know he in the later in the game I heard his name at least a couple of times that he was making some of the plays in the run game so maybe some of that was the halftime adjustment um, but overall you're right it is one of those spots of you want to basically see the young guys for their play the Brandon Williams it was interesting he actually ended up getting um, a spot today on the roster he was kind of their main kicker turner didn't really end up doing as much but it's interesting when you're looking about like the last couple of years of disappointment some of that is when you do have a few disappointing drafts in a row that is a spot where you're going to end up seeing, you know, like teams kind of start to struggle. You got to see that from the 2016 with the Cardinals not getting anything with their first round picks and then 2017. Reddick played the year for that one, but it was also, you know, shifting around with the position, didn't make as much of an impact as you would have wanted. Um, but yeah, now moving into this year, however, I've seen there's been some of that has been just kind of the fan backlash because I've seen some fans who like I've seen some people saying like the Cardinals have a chance to go 0-16 this year. Well, that's true. But then again, so does every 0-1 team at this point. And I think it's a little bit too early to be kind of swan diving off of the kind of that cliff, but it does show where the expectations for this team were, where they would at least be playing competitive football. And it did not look like that today. 
Moving into a little bit as far as for the rest, however, of the team, of you're still looking at with Mason Cole at least started, did fine. I also take a look against some of the team tape to see, was he kind of the one letting up some of that interior pressure? There wasn't any kind of snap issues that you really had to worry about. Chase Edmonds, when he got in the field, he looked like he was a solid, you know, backup running back. Maybe he'll be able to have one of the more breakaway players or get more involved if they get the running game more involved. They kind of had to become a one-dimensional offense pretty quickly as soon as they got down 21-0 on his mostly death by a thousand cuts I think it was a it was a really hard to watch game overall at least for that one especially when you're looking at the team and realizing that you know like you said the quarterback that they have right now if this is going to be what you get throughout the year with Sam Bradford then it feels almost pointless because you're kind of taking development away from where Rosen would be especially if you brought Sam Bradford in to be kind of be that quarterback mentor but you brought him in more just to win you didn't just bring him in to kind of be that guy that McCown sitting on the sidelines helping Darnold you brought him in to kind of be your guy that you'd be able to make a push for be able to manage the game be able to kind of win with him he'd be able to make enough plays you did not see that today and I think that's the biggest change if this is going to be what the Cardinals get you're going to have to start talking about is it going to be like week three week four like what is it going to be as far as for the Cardinals when they decide to say all right we're not winning at least here is this other quarterback give us the best chance to win because at some point if you're not winning games you kind of have to put something in whether it's for a spark or just to recognize that can't keep pulling away from the development of a young quarterback. I mean, we're not going to ever fortunately get into any type of, you know, Ken Wisenhunt situation, but it did feel a lot more closer to 2012 out there at times than it did kind of the 2013 Bruce Arians. That was kind of the biggest takeaway. Now, does it stay like that throughout the rest of the season? I don't think so. I, I think that we were forgetting that the Cardinals, they did start three and five in 2013. Ken Wisenhunt, I think, had a two and six season to start off with. So this is going to be kind of the growing pains that you'll have to come up with. But I agree with you right now. The biggest question mark that remains for me overall is at quarterback. Let's take a quick break here over on the uh, Bird Game Blitz, and then we'll come back at least to kind of finish up going over week one, keep going over the defense. Who are some of the standout players who look good? What is the hopes? Who are the other players we're kind of feeling like let down from at least that we're depending on? That's going to be next here, coming into this last part of the Bird Game Blitz podcast. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding and six kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on six. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. And we are back here on the Bird Game Blitz. So, John, let's talk about the rest of the game because we've already covered a bit of Rose and Bradford. What are some of the other plays that you're looking at over? And if you had to kind of, you know, pick at least the guys who stepped up, showed up at least in the game, whether it was early or late, there didn't seem to be too many of them. But what were kind of some of the positives that you noticed about? And how does that kind of flow with the rest of the narrative that we've seen so far from this Cardinal season? It's kind of ironic. The Cardinals under Bruce Arians were exceptional in a lot of what they did, uh, were contending for division championships, 
Um, but their special teams were horrific for, for the better part of two or three year period. Um, it's kind of on the flip side. Now the Cardinals are unwatchable offensively with Bradford defensively. They look terrible today, but the special teams were, were surprisingly good. Andy Lee, uh, got an extension, in the off season, well-deserved, still one of the best punters in the league, average 52.6 yards, uh, per punt today. God, will we, what would we give for that? in 2014, 2015. I mean, the guy was incredible. Three punts inside the 20. And then Christian Kirk had that uh, 44-yard punt return, almost broke it to the house, uh, looked exceptional. Uh, Again, he uh, and Chad Williams had had separation in the passing game. There is so much – I think there's so much potential for this offense to be uh, a very solid unit with room to grow with these young receiving cores and Larry Fitzgerald with this young receiving core and Larry Fitzgerald. It's just, it, I keep going back to Bradford because that's just, it's kind of the linchpin, this whole thing. It's just like, what are you doing hampering the development of these young guys? Because, you know, they're going to look at the tape. They've already looked at the tape on the, um, you know, in the, in the film room, they're going to look at it tomorrow again. And they're going to see, wow, we've got, you know, X, Y, and Z open on this play, but Bradford doesn't even give them an opportunity because he checks it down. I thought Ricky Seals-Jones played okay. Uh, obviously, the touchdown drop at the end of the game was not ideal. Didn't think that throw was, was particularly good by Bradford, but you have to catch that. Uh, Kim Dietschy, to me, uh, defensively was the, the biggest standout uh, in terms of players that we need to be productive for the Cardinals. You're talking about Kim Dietschy in his third year. He, he's made zero to no impact uh, in his first two seasons and really should have had two sacks today. Uh, anxious to see his pro football focus score uh, coming into tomorrow, and that should be up in the morning uh, if it's not up already. But uh, Robert, to me, you know, two QB hits and a sack. I mean, if he can play like this all year, he's going to be well worth the second pass rusher then, and yeah. then you bring back Marcus Golden. If Marcus Golden gets back to the 2016 form, that was yeah. the biggest other takeaway I had on the defensive side was that, you know, you actually might have a bit of a pass rusher. Alex Smith at one point was running backwards in his own end zone because Kimbichi was there so quickly. It was like that was what you'd wanted to see from him for the last two years, and that's what you're hoping to still see from him moving forward. Yeah, and you know what? People are going to be like, well, you get destroyed off or defensively in the first half. The defense played pretty well in the second half. I mean, they gave up a field goal in the second half. They played pretty well defensively in the second half, made adjustments. Um, granted, it, I think Washington's incredibly limited offensively. With Alex Smith, I don't think they're going to be in contention for a playoff spot. And um, I think well, – well, Adrian Peterson goes as part of it as well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Um I, I just think the Cardinals are going to play better defensively as the year goes on. I know it's frustrating, but they had been running James Betcher's defense for how long, Blake? Like two or three years, and then he essentially oh, yeah. ran the same thing as Todd Bowles. I mean, they were in that same base defense from 2013 to 2017. I mean, it's five years. It's a brand-new defense with a lot of new players. It's going to take time, okay? And we don't really know if the Cardinals have an impact defensive tackle. I mean, the – the minimum requirement for a 4-3 defense is a defensive tackle that can stop the run. The Cardinals just don't have that yet. Hopefully, by the end of the season, they can kind of piecemeal together some production there. But when, you're, when you have liabilities up front defensively and your linebackers are undersized and Dayon Buchanan hasn't practiced and played consistently, you know, he's just doing that for about three weeks, you're going to struggle. So I, I, everybody just pumped the brakes defensively. I know it was frustrating. Uh, to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna be upset about something, be some be upset, you know, offensively. And I know I've kind of flipped the the, the script here 
and I'm, I'm getting negative again. I, I don't mean to do that, but man, there just, there aren't enough positives to talk about in this game because it was so depressing to watch. I feel bad for people who actually <laughs> spent money to go watch this game. Oh, it was hard like, to watch. It's like David Johnson had nine carries today. He had, he had 14 touches. He got $30 million last night. He had 14 touches and he averaged, he averaged like five yards a touch today. Like, yeah. what are you doing? It was just that the amount of usage was kind of like a little bit baffling, especially in the second half. But the hardest thing was it was more, I think, about the fact that you didn't have enough first downs. That you're, you, you, you know, you didn't get a, you didn't complete a single third down. You didn't have enough first downs, but you were able to get for anything with that one. So I think that was the biggest one of maybe some of that is going to be, we'll have to see how the game plan, how everything changes. But the biggest thing, of course, is if they're not able to kind of complete or get the passes in on third down, then, hey, if you don't want to bring in Josh Rosen, you know, just get Mike Glenn in there and see because there wouldn't be really that much of a difference at that point overall if that's going to be the case so that's where I totally agree with you um for me one of the biggest positives that I saw at least overall was that the while the tackling was you know poor and it was a lot of the missed tackles for those and especially like with the screen passes the secondary played very well like it you didn't see any guys who were kind of breaking free for long passes you had one time I think at least that Jamar Taylor I think got called for at least a holding on the outside that's going to kind of sometimes be the case at least um there were a couple of penalties that were drive extenders that was probably the biggest concern overall that I had with the defense but overall the secondary at least I think that they played well if anything it was looking at the linebackers the missed tackles it was kind of more of the kind of a death by a million cuts, as we said earlier, was how the team went. For me, one of the biggest positives I did see overall, at least, was Larry Fitzgerald still seemed like he's a dominant overall um, player in the NFL. He had a, you know, a big 27-yard catch. He had another catch that if Sam Bradford had been a little bit more accurate with the ball, it was a high pass. The DB did an incredible job of knocking the ball down just at the right time, just as Fitzgerald was kind of catching the ball. Normally, that's a pitch that he comes down with 10 out of 10 times usually. Um, but Fitzgerald, you know, right now he's on pace for another 100 catch, another 1,000-yard season at least for that one. And I honestly think that that's going to be the biggest positive that you'll have for the Cardinals, especially if you do end up bringing a guy like Josh Rosen in to kind of have that safety blow. Um, that was one of the positives. The punting, I thought, at least was good. Christian Kirk, you know, he almost took a, I think it was a 44-yard punt to the house, at least, with that one. Uh, the fact that you're going to get some special teams, I think once you get TJ Logan back in there instead of Brandon Williams, maybe Logan ended up with an injury, at least, for some of that. I know that was one of the things that we looked at in that last preseason game was, you know, if he was going to be healthy enough. He didn't end up having a serious injury, it seems like. But, yeah, the, the toughest thing for me, again, was honestly um, – even with some of those positives you can look at and even seeing how the offensive line blocked well for David Johnson up front. The negatives just were overwhelming because it just felt like it was very blah. It was, it was difficult to watch. It just didn't seem like there was heart. Maybe some of that is the Bradford effect like you had talked about. Um, but it was just this kind of very mediocre, just kind of not really present, but just, you know, it was present but not there was kind of the feeling at least. And that's going to be the biggest concern if it's so blasé throughout the entire year. You're going to be kind of looking at just a, a really, really tough, hard-to-watch Cardinals season. Uh, I think let's getting back to one of the other things I think at the very uh, end, just not to like, you know, keep harping on Sam Bradford because the biggest thing I think that we always saw at least was in that whenever there were some of the different opportunities that were there, like one of them I can remember at least was Bradford still had one of the uh, interception, especially when we tried to go for the depot overthrew. He had Ricky seals Jones kind of in that perfect intermediate zone. As far as for right between that, he saw the coverage, read it right. 
and then sailed the ball over and went right to the safety back there for an interception. That was just a drive killer because you were just picked up, I believe, on a big pass play, at least a first down just a bit earlier. You seemed like you were starting to get into a groove of being able to kind of run the football a bit more. And it was just a huge drive killer. So let's talk a little bit about just some of these drive killers that were there because I wanted to kind of come back to focusing on Mike McCoy. And we talked a lot about McCoy. There's questions about with the hiring. He's a former head coach, some of the different areas. Did you think that McCoy, was it kind of more on a him as far as for that this is the game design, the game plan needed to be changed up? Is this more on Sam Bradford not being able to execute that game plan? Or is this kind of a combination of the two? No, I, I mean, I put most everything on, on Bradford. I keep going back to that. Uh, I saw people open. I saw opportunities to be had. I saw an offensive line that that held up fine. I saw uh, an offensive line that produced four point yard four point five yards per per rush. I saw the two starting running backs, Johnson and Edmonds, have a very productive day when they had an opportunity to run the ball. Uh, and then I saw Sam Bradford be completely inept at the quarterback position. Uh, Mike McCoy has shown you when he has a Pro Bowl level quarterback or a legitimate quarterback prospect, the offense will produce. He's shown that time and time again. You may not be a quality head coach, but he's showing you with the likes of, of Philip Rivers, what he did in, with Tebow in Denver. You know, the, the guy knows what he's doing for the most part. Can he be overly conservative? Yes. I don't think we saw that today. I think we saw a quarterback who made too many errant throws, was afraid to get hit and checked it down at every opportunity he, he had. He just can't play the position anymore. He just can't do it. So basically, every time you're on the field offensively for the Cardinals, you have to be perfect in order to score a touchdown because you have no playmaking ability from your quarterback. Your quarterback, at the very least, should be able to manage the games and make the plays that are there to be made. He can't do that. Josh Rosen, on the contrast, I believe, can elevate others better than they are. Okay, he has the opportunity to make players better than they actually are. That's what a franchise elite level quarterback can do. And that's what I believe Josh Rosen is. I believe he can take Chad Williams, who may be a six, seven hundred yard guy in the NFL and make him potentially a thousand yard receiver, can take Christian Kirk and make him a Pro Bowl receiver. That's what Josh Rosen can do. Sam Bradford does the opposite. Sam Bradford plays so poorly, you're not able to evaluate the rest of your team. You're going to look at the film and basically say, okay, so-and-so is open. Would he have caught the ball? We don't know. What would have happened if we could have sustained this drive? We don't know. It's a drag on the entire team. I think Mike McCoy's real test, Blake, will come when, when Rosen plays. Just can't judge him until then. I would have been more critical had the offensive line been exposed, had Mason Cole, Mike Potty, Justin Pugh given up interior pressure consistently. Didn't happen. I thought, the, I thought the time was there. I thought opportunities were – you know, say what you want about Carson Palmer. The guy was tough as nails, stood in the pocket, made throws, took the blitz head on, may have thrown interceptions, but he stood in there and, and took the opportunity that was made, got hit, and, and made, for the most part, accurate throws. That's what Rosen will do. Josh Rosen is not afraid to stand in the pocket, and he's just a complete gamer and will make the necessary throws. Now, it could lead to a concussion or two, but I didn't think the offensive line played poorly today. I thought they had one of their better performances over the probably the, the latter part of a year and a half. Gave up two sacks, and I think Bradford ran into one of them. I mean, you, you give up two sacks a game over a 16-game season, that's 32 sacks. That's probably league average, if not a little bit below. I mean, under Arians, the Cardinals were, were on pace to give up, I think, like 50 or 60 sacks a season. 
That's, that's not the case here. The offensive line, to me, looked fine, especially from a run standpoint. And David Johnson, especially on that first drive, looked great. In the second half, of the Chase Edmonds looked great. I think those two guys are going to be great in the long term. But right now, you cannot get a sense of what this offense can do until Bradford is benched. You just can't. And that was the big question. A lot of people said the Cardinals didn't show a lot on offense in the preseason. Maybe there wasn't as much to show, I think, is part of the question. For me, what I think is also the biggest key, at least, and I think Ken Summers, he is, uh, he's covered the team for years. What's interesting is in his new role, he's been, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a little bit more critical or maybe more honest, you could say, but the Cardinals in the first, I think, seven plays of the game, David Johnson touched the ball five times. They had 28 yards. So you're looking at, like, almost six yards per play of David Johnson. And then it just dropped off because, you know, this is, he only had nine carries throughout the game and only had five catches. So you're talking about he touched it five times in, like, the first seven plays of the game and then just nothing after that. So I think that, if I had to say, is whatever change or whatever shift happened, I think that was the biggest one. But the biggest thing that I, I think just to kind of cap it off what also Ken said was um, the two tweets that were sent back and forth. And I think that they, they just kind of sum up the game. First one was that Jay Gruden killed the Cardinals with scheme. They didn't have an idea what's coming. Everything that Washington was doing was working. Basically, yes, Alex Wilkes, Smith, was, Wilkes was outcoached today. He was outcoached today for that one. I think some of that you can say is how much of that's on the defense where they – I didn't feel like the defense was totally manhandled, especially when you saw them step up in the second half. The gaps basically closed down. Adrian Peterson probably, you know, outside of the one big late breaker, he wouldn't have had 100 yards if not for the one big late-breaking prey, which the Cardinals still then ended up forcing kind of a, a fumble at the end of the run, which Adrian Peterson is prone to do. But they just went through the progression, saw what worked, and that there was at least just not enough things that were buttoned up down at the end, but they just didn't know what was coming. It was just going to be, hey, oh, they're going to bring Alex Smith around on a bootleg, fool the defense there. Oh, they're going to basically just have the running back to check it down, broken tackle, there's another first down. It was just very methodical. It wasn't anything that was, like, complicated. It was very methodical. So I think that you're right on this is the defense where they still have to basically – get together they'll still have to gel uh and the, the what we knew about coming into the game alex smith not a quarterback who's going to make a lot of mistakes not a quarterback who's going to basically turn the ball over or put in some of those risky or tight window throws and as a result sam bradford he's not the type of quarterback who's going to basically be able to pull you up when you're in a deficit the cardinals can go out to an early lead force a turnover kind of run the ball down the field get you know uh you know get a touchdown maybe add a field goal on top of that they can win a lot of games this year if they have to kind of come from being down in a hole they are not built to do that like how bruce arians the deep passing attack was they are not a quick fast-paced offense that they have at least unfortunately and part of the reason for that at least is what ken summers it was a tweet it was kind of i guess maybe viral in the arizona area they said the t-shirts that were being fired into the crowd traveled 10 times as far as any bradford pass today <laughs> such, a, such a good tweet oh my so gosh good. it was just hilarious and you know he had two passes that were later one of them was i believe there was a 20 uh, you know a 20 yard pass to fitzgerald there's another one and then there was i believe like a floor a 30 yard pass that was to chad williams it was overthrown and then you had the other pass that was about a 22 yard pass so it just feels like and this is the biggest thing that i noticed whenever i was looking and seeing what sam bradford didn't care he did not attempt to throw deep there was one time that they did throw that I did see when I was there live that he did throw deep, and it was a deep throw into double coverage. Patrick Peterson picked it off like it was nothing. He like, looked like he was a receiver on that play versus the DB. That just tells me of that Sam Bradford, just as far as the deep ball goes, he's not going to be able to be that type of a threat. And if you don't have that type of threat or being able to kind of take the top off, you can play your guys down to the box to stop David Johnson on the run, kind of bring in two guys to be able to tackle him. The Redskins even knew what was coming, one of the third down plays. They just kind of dumped it off quick to David Johnson trying to make him miss they saw it was coming the safety just ran right through him and I think that's really what this offense has come down to right now is that it's 
limited and it's predictable. And so you either have to kind of dig into the playbook to be able to go through there to execute a bit. They tried to do a little bit in the second half, trying to scheme up some ways to protect him, but Bradford just has not been able to hit those plays. And so I think that's the biggest thing you're looking at for the Cardinals moving forward is, you know, I'm, for me, I don't believe honestly that Mike McCoy was a wrong mistake as an offensive coordinator, because I think you're right. We haven't seen like, you know, these baffling, terrible, awful, like, like, why are you calling, you know, that run? They, they went for it in a, a a two-point conversion. They didn't get it. It was a fade route to Christian Kirk. You look at the poor, uh, poor throw. Poor throw. Yeah, it was a poor throw. Some of it was also like I think that Kirk. You know, he's got to make some effort and go to it. There's two things I think about Kirk that was where he's still a bit in development. One was there was a third down play. He makes a tough catch. It was a tight window throw. It wasn't north of the sticks. So whether that was the design of the routes or whether that was him, a couple of those plays have been a little bit short of the sticks. Maybe that's part of what you have with Sam Bradford. At least, unfortunately, is those are the plays that he has. Where I know I think someone even said if it's you know. Third and four, Sam Bradford could get you five yards. If it's third and six, Sam Bradford can get you five yards. That's like the one thing that's uh, the biggest negative. And so as a result, we're kind of in this situation of what is going to be the timeline look for as far as Josh Rosen? Because unless Sam Bradford suddenly kind of turns around, starts kind of playing at a much higher pace, the Cardinals start winning games, you have to think at some point that they're not going to be able to stick with this throughout the whole season because you can't just see the same type of performance week in and week out when you've got a first round rookie on the bench so let's talk a little bit what does the timeline look for for Josh Rosen I know that you're kind of looking at escalating and moving up that timeline at least because you wanted him to start this season at least but what does that timeline kind of look like maybe realistically what should it look like like where are we kind of at right now because this seems to be the biggest question that the Cardinals are going to have and and I, I will say unfortunately that we some fans have pushed back already and saying like anyone who's saying to bring in Josh Rosen is wrong this is not the way to fix yeah, those it. those fan those fans need to, to check the, to see if they have CTE that I mean that that is ridiculous go ahead Blake Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say I agree with you because if we're talking about with being able to bring up the offense, the offense like how we've talked about, what we've seen, there were plays that were there, plays that designed things that worked. It was a lot of it where the offensive line maybe didn't perform as well, but it did feel a lot like they were being held back as well just from, you know, as you're saying, like there's under five yards per attempt that you're seeing from Sam Bradford. It just was not efficient. It was not effective. You saw even when the comeback attempt was happening, the Cardinals trying to put points in the, in, on the board, and he turns it over twice. One of them was a drive killer. The second one was kind of like, you know, at the end of the game, the Cardinals are down, four, you know, it's 14 to, I believe it was 21 to six, at least at the time they hadn't gotten the field goal yet. You've got an opportunity at least to be able to say, hey, like you can go ahead, be able to try to see if you can get some more points on the board, at least for that one. And then I believe there was the sack fumble that was at the end of the game. So the turnovers are really what are going to kill you. And so if that's the case, you'd rather have those turnovers be kind of on an area where the quarterback can at least learn from them. This is a, there were mistakes. One of them, I think also was a delay of game penalty that a 30 year old veteran quarterback just should not make you have the ability to call a timeout and that was what was a little bit baffling where you can see a lot of you know some great card fans reaction that they had of like fans in the stands which is like how how is this happening it doesn't feel like that you should be seeing this happening with the different veterans in the team and I do honestly think that it, it does start with the quarterback in that sense yeah we can let's let's go back and look at kind of the timeline that we face here with with Rosen and Bradford when the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen what was the number one thing said about him in terms of a positive aspect? Rosen is the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. He has the best accuracy, the best touch, the best timing, throws from a balanced base, gets the ball out on time. What are his concerns? Durability and then football character, which was just garbage because he's beloved by his teammates. He comes in, week one of OTAs, lights it up, 
looks like the best quarterback on the roster because he is. Bradford gets held, you know, his hand held the entire offseason. They've got a program in place because he can't move. Okay. The preseason starts. It's an open competition. Okay. Rosen gets screwed in game one because he goes behind that egregious second team offensive line. Bradford checks down with the first team, shows nothing. Game two, Bradford checks down, shows nothing. Rosen balls out. So Rosen clearly is the better player. Game three, fluke injury prior to the game. Rosen doesn't play. His hand is um, swollen from hitting it on a teammate's helmet during practice. Fluke, complete fluke, right? Bradford plays, checks it down, shows nothing. Nobody plays in game four. Bradford wins by default because he's completing passes to running backs and tight ends underneath routes. Okay. Rosen. The running, the running game was really good when it was effective. Right. The game was working, but then they went away from the running game too. So. Absolutely. So Rosen is superior in every way in the preseason, but for, but because he missed that game three, he doesn't get the job. And I'll admit, you got to be available in this league to, to, to play and win games, right? It's healthy now. Okay. Looking at the schedule, I said from the start, he should have played week one. Should have been the starter today. I believe the Cardinals would have been in this game had he played. Would they have won? I don't know. They would have had more than six points. The Cardinals only had six points because the, the Redskins went to their pre-vet defense. That's it. Anybody who watched the game knows that. Underneath routes were suddenly open. The Redskins gave Bradford whatever he wanted underneath 10, 10 yards. That's why they scored. That's it. So looking at the schedule now, Week two against the Rams. At this point, like everybody had been talking about this in the like in the preseason over the course of the summer, like you have to get through the Rams game with Bradford. You can't throw Rosen, you know, into the Rosen's gonna have to play the Rams eventually. I don't, I don't know what you want, but at the at this point, you've already you know destroyed any chance of of Rosen playing early on in the season, and broken that kind of credibility continuity. So it's like, oh, I you might as well play Bradford and let him get you know his his you know, ours kicked against, against the Rams for three hours. Like we're at that point now where it's going to be so embarrassing next week. I think defense is going to play better, but from an offensive standpoint, it's going to be embarrassing from Bradford. Uh, you might as well play him. And then, you know, if you're concerned about injury, uh, I think the, the perfect time to break out Rosen is week three against Chicago bears. But I think it's going to happen. I think it's 50, 50 at this point, Bradford to me, I mean, his, the thing about Bradford was always like, well, look at his completion percentage. He looks great. But if you watch the games, you know how limited he is. Now it's like, oh, he looks terrible. And the box sheet's terrible. The box score's terrible. Look at the two teams that moved on from, from Sam Bradford. The Redskins, who just destroyed you in your own building. We don't, we don't need him. When he was, no, I'm sorry. Look at the two teams. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles both moved on from him. Excuse me, not the Redskins. That was out. That was um, Kirk Cousins. Yep. The red, the the Sam Bradford got kicked to the curb by the by the Philadelphia Eagles. Won a Super Bowl in the next year, and uh, the Minnesota Vikings. You you can't stay healthy. You're not any good. We're gonna get Kirk Cousins. They won big today. Uh, Bradford has been on too many teams. Has been passed aside. He's at the point now where he's a complete liability for any team that starts him. I think his career after this year is actually going to be it. I think it's going to be over for Sam Bradford. I think he's made enough money to play the game uh, to the fact that he was the last uh, rookie, like, boomer baby. He had, like, a $100 million rookie contract or something ridiculous or over the course of his first couple contracts made an obscene gross amount of money for, for a player of his caliber. Uh, but going back to the schedule, I would play him. I'd play him next week, but realistically, I think that there's a chance 
He plays week three at home against the Bears. Um, you know, if not, you got a home game against Seattle, whose defense is not what it was. But, I mean, if Bradford is healthy and is, and is still playing this way, I think they could be stubborn and wait until, Jesus, maybe like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at week eight against, against Goodbye, the Bye, yeah, it feels like that would be the case, yeah. Like, that, that is such a waste, though. Like, you're punting on half your season. You're going you're gonna to be walking into that, that game potentially one and seven. You, maybe you get the Broncos, you clip them at home, or you get lucky against somebody. To me, you're doing yourself such a disservice, especially for 2019, if you only play Rosen in eight games. I am, I'm crossing my fingers that, bar an injury, he gets to start against the Bears – because I, I, anybody who thinks Bradford's going to play better next week is out of their mind. The Redskins have a nice front seven, but defensively, they're, they're nothing special. They're going to end up third in their own division, third or fourth in their own division. You have an opportunity next week against the Rams. Two all-pro defensive tackles that are just going to destroy an immobile quarterback. Cardinals are starting a rookie center. Like, it's not going to go well. It's not. Yeah, and that's the biggest one. Like, even for, with, you know, we were just talking about tonight, Khalil Mack was just a complete force for the Bears. So, for me, it's like, okay, I know you're talking about week three versus Chicago. It's at home. Maybe you could wait till like, week four. You've got some divisional games. But the Niners look beatable today. Like, they ended up losing to the Vikings. The Vikings really just beat up Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Garoppolo, honestly, like, he had, I believe, three interceptions in the game, unless I'm mistaken, at least for that one. And, you know, their defense is top-notch, but it's like they also showed them to be very beatable as far as, you know. Yeah, their roster's not just quite not there. Just, their roster's not good enough yet. Now, he makes up for a lot of, like, there was just an amazing play that he did of kind of, like, running backwards off his back foot, just delivered this beautiful ball back of the end zone. But see that, Blake, that's that's what they need to be doing with Rosen. Like Rosen's going to throw interceptions, but Rosen needs experience, and Rosen will make plays like that. Right, exactly. And I think that's where well, I think we're looking at at least as far as the timeline at race right now. What I'm grateful for is that they at least have Sam Bradford. He got to the season because if you're putting in you know Rosen for this kind of early on slot before you get to kind of maybe a little bit softer part, but it's also like you talked about this Cardinals season. Like a lot of people are wondering like if this team is going to be like you know is this more than like a five win team I said I still think this is kind of a six win team if everything went right maybe you're looking at kind of eight or nine wins or so like that one as far as for if you're able to you know maybe it's maybe if Rosen comes in and starts lighting it up then that'll be a different story but you can't really expect that right now so right now what you're kind of looking at is that this is about a six and ten team was what I'd felt like and I think it was uh, another one of the radio hosts even said, like, and I thought this is going to be one of the six wins. Maybe you're going to be more of a, a four to five team win, at least like that one. But I think that this team can do more than that. At least I think that some of the quarterback, at least once that comes in, I think that it will you know, be a huge impact because that does have the biggest impact your team. We even saw it last year, bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo to the San Francisco 49ers elevated that roster where they won five games in a row. So yeah, great be- point. And I think that what we're in right now is we're at the spot of Sam Bradford. Like, maybe he's not there to give you the best chance to win. Maybe he's going to be in there for now just to give you the best chance to kind of get through these games so that the rest of the team can adjust, get Josh at least a few more of being able to see the reps, getting some actual game tape that's in there. And then I think bringing him in at least because at this point, unless Sam Bradford suddenly flips on the switch, becomes a totally different quarterback, and the team turns around, you get the feeling that he's going to play. Maybe the decision will be made for the Cardinals. Bradford, he's shying away from some of the different hits at least for right now, looking like he's playing not to get hurt which it's unfortunate but if he does end up 
up seeing the part where he is, you know, he ran around a little bit today. I think that he's mobile enough where he's not going to be like a statue back there who's going to get hit on each play like Carson Palmer was later in the, at the end of his career. He'll move around a lot, but he is going to at least take some hits. Maybe that decision does get made for you at some point. So we'll have to see. Right now, if I had to kind of pick at least as far as the earliest, I would say you're taking a look at it's going to be Bradford for week two. And unless you kind of see that, I believe it's the, this would be if Sam Brad is three years consecutively that you've had a starting quarterback leave the game either for a season-ending injury or an ending injury. Come on, Rams, don't let us down now. We need <laughs> oh, him gosh, to. Oh, it's terrible. It, just, it stinks. It's, I, I like Sam. He's a, he's a great guy for that one. But, you know, you really are going to end up needing to have to have something different. And it's him versus his former team. I could see the Rams having extra motivation of just being able to kind of go out and get after this guy. I think it's going to be just a – potential it's not quite going to be like you know 58-0 game I think that the defense it, we'll see how they play at least for that one the Rams will get a great clip to them against the Oakland Raiders team without Khalil Mack tomorrow but if you're talking about having Rosen to go up against Donald and Sue Khalil Mack and that first thing you know give me like the Seahawks and the and the Niners at least with those kind of weaker teams at least for that one if you're going to be kind of introducing you know Rosen in at some point earlier in the season I do think that we are going to be seeing the Rosen versus Rodgers and Lambeau maybe on the road at least later in the season almost seems to be kind of a guarantee at this point just because if you're not going to be able to get the sustainability from Sam Bradford all right uh, so yes we've got a lot that's kind of gone on we've had a huge kind of swing at least of emotions from the David Johnson signing and seeing as we talked about with the State Farm um, just kind of the first game officially in State Farm Stadium uh, John any kind of parting thoughts that you have before we kind of move out because I know for a lot of Cardinals fans who are out there I've even seen like a, a fire Wilkes hashtag came up before the first game was even come finished. on and I'm like, okay, let, let, let's, let's calm down. People wanted Bruce Arians, you know, and Carson Palmer. There are people calling for Drew Stanton, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks game in week one. Cardinals went on two years later to be playing for the Super Bowl with Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians. Let's kind of back off the cliff just a little bit for that one, at least for that one. I know fans and people are passionate and, you know, are excited about that one. But, you know, we're just kind of on this team of this is a transition year. Maybe it's less a retool year, more of a rebuild year. That's totally fine for that one. Maybe you're – kind of paying for this rebuild that you've had a seven, eight and one and an eight and eight season. Maybe this is the season where you kind of pay for that rebuild. We talked about, we thought that was going to be last year for the Cardinals. Maybe it's this year, but John, any, any kind of a last thought before we sign off for tonight, just kind of where the Cardinals are and just kind of looking a little bit ahead to week two. Yeah. I think for Cardinal fans from, again, I want to preach from a defensive perspective. Don't get super frustrated. If it becomes a trend and we're sitting here and it's, it's week seven, eight, nine, and they look completely disinterested like they did today, out of position, missing tackles, That then we can get concerned about the credibility of Steve Wilkes. But the guy earned his position. Uh, they looked good for whatever reason in the preseason, and preseason stats don't matter. But, you know, you want to see the team do well, to all, you know, all three phases. And they didn't, they didn't look prepared today. They looked completely out of sync. They didn't look motivated. Um, again, I think part of that is you, you feed off the energy of your quarterback and, and he was completely limited in what he did today. But from a defensive standpoint, you know, if they make a couple stops early on in the game, if they make a couple third down stops, maybe the outcome's a little different. Um, but they're going to watch the tape and they're going to they're going to grow from it. Dale Buchanan's in a contract here. He wants a big time deal. He's going to play better. OK, I'm still hopeful Hassan Reddick is going to make an impact. 
You got to be like some on nickel today. Actually, I was like looking back to that. And there were some times that he did sub out with Josh Bynes. So maybe yeah. part of it is having to work him into that role because, you know, he may not have been that. Then I noticed I said like Buda Baker and the three safeties on the field a lot. So maybe you're going to work in. Maybe we're going to be talking about this week four of, wow, like, you know, Reddick's almost a full-time starter in nickel. Now maybe some of that's there. Maybe it isn't the opposite. Maybe we're going to see Josh Bynes throughout the season there. But I think it is interesting of, you know, the first week one pre like uh, reactions are always a, Huge, huge deal. Like, I think we can remember, like, even with seeing last year with the, you know, the, the Texans putting in Deshaun Watson, I think it was seven sacks or something like ridiculous at least. Everyone's like, he's going to get killed back there. And then you go and see on this incredible kind of rookie campaign before his ACL. You, you think about, I think it was the Vikings and Niners. You played yep. for another year. I believe the Niners just steamrolled the Vikings. Yeah, it was like 20 year. nothing. yep. Oh, yeah, it was just crazy. And then you just saw this entire, like, flip around, at least for the entire season to follow, where the Vikings ended up being that team that ended up going on and actually had that. You see last year, even with the Vikings, Sam Bradford goes up, lights up the entire Saints team. You're like, oh, my gosh, like the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl with Sam Bradford. And he's just out for, like, the entire rest of the year. And Case Keenum ends up being the guy who ends up coming in. So just after week one, don't overreact too much for that one, at least for that one. Sure, there's a lot of the things that we've seen and we've talked about are things that you want to watch and monitor because these are same, some of the same concerns you saw through preseason. But teams always will go through and adjust, and I don't think this is going to – like you're not going to be watching an 0-16 Cardinals team, at least for that one. Is it going to be like you know a 10-6 and 6 team? Yeah, maybe not. We'll see at least. The, there's still a lot of areas that can show improvement. Are they going to be kind of maybe more 5-11 team? Right now it feels like that one, but let's kind of hold back a little bit on the overreaction. The biggest thing I think that we're kind of right about is we still have not – not see anything from Sam Bradford that really seems to say that he should be starting over Josh Rosen outside of getting Rosen up to speed, putting him into a good situation where he's not having to face down Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. Maybe that's going to be kind of the best timeline that you'll be able to at least look for. Yeah. And I can, I can understand that you, you look what's taking place. I mean, Buffalo looks like a, that that's a team that looks like a complete train wreck was down 40 to nothing uh, at one point, put, Josh Allen in. I think he had six completions for uh, six out of 15. You know, Lamar Jackson does not look ready. Uh, and that team on the flip side with Joe Flacco looks looks far superior. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, give him credit. He won the job outright. He, he balled out, missed uh, a little bit of camp uh, with uh, a holdout and came in and won that job. Um, and so I I think it was a fluky pre- preseason for Josh Rosen. And I, I think part of it is they're just concerned – that, that he doesn't get exploited, you know, based on the, the, you know, the ineffectiveness of the offensive line, especially on the right side with Andre Smith. But, you know, something we didn't touch on, Blake, is, you know, DJ Humphreys played pretty well today. He, oh, complete, yeah. he completed an NFL game. Robert Kimdichi completed an NFL game without getting hurt, and they both provided uh, positive impacts. I thought Humphreys, especially in the run game, looked good uh, on a couple of those early uh, runs from um, David Johnson. I here, I'm going to end on this. Here's what's frustrating, I think, for a lot of Cardinal fans with, with this Bradford situation is you've got a franchise quarterback. You're not playing him. These other teams are playing young quarterbacks. They're having success like you just mentioned Deshaun Watson. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who should have been an Arizona Cardinal, could be you know the breakout player in the league, had three touchdown passes today, unbelievable. Um, and then you've got these other guys playing well, you know, Trubisky, played average tonight, but, you know, people are excited about him. People are excited about uh, Sam Darnold. I think uh, Josh Allen probably ends up starting next week for the Buffalo Bills. Like, you need to play guys who are, you know, first-round picks for a reason if the, if the veteran's not producing. You know, Alex Smith played all last year for Kansas City because he had a career year, and that team was a Super Bowl contender. And then they let him go because the guy on the bench had a higher ceiling. Sam Bradford – 
when you start Sam Bradford, you are at such a disadvantage because outside of, you know, if you get, you know, one of these fluky veteran backups as the opposition, you're going to have the disadvantage of quarterback in every game that you play. I mean, we saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick did today with four touchdowns and almost 500 yards passing. And like, that's a quality backup that should be maybe starting above a Joshua. I think that's what they envision Bradford being is somebody who can come in and play well for a couple weeks, give them an opportunity to stay in some games. I mean, Hell, look what Drew Stanton and Blaine Gabbert did last year. I know it's a different, it's a completely different scheme, a, a completely different coaching staff. Still but, made plays to win the game. That was absolutely. the biggest one that you saw, especially with Drew Stanton. My gosh, when they went back to Drew Stanton, the Cardinals beat, shut out the Giants at home. Which even though there was like there was some underthrown passes, but you got to see him, even with like you know playing with no ACL. Uh, apparently, is what Larry Fitzgerald said. He's running around, extending the plays, throwing down a touchdown for that one, getting a lot of the plays that were there. The next game, making just enough plays to basically win against Seattle. You know, you had the ball kind of roll your way for a little bit. But, yeah, you're just like – it's the same thing you're talking about of being able to have those guys who can go in, can make those plays to be able to win the game. And you kind of saw the opposite with Bradford when you were trying to make that comeback approach. So. Yep, pushing the ball downfield, uh, giving your team a chance to make plays, letting your wide receivers go up and get the football for you, run after catch. I mean, Bradford, to me, is just – you're basically conceding victory if you play Bradford as your starter at this yeah. point. With what we saw today, you're basically saying we have no interest in winning. It's purely from a standpoint that we don't want to expose Rosen because we're worried about the beating he could take up front. But the ironic part is, is the offensive line looked good. So it's just like, well, what are we doing then? So I, I honestly think that this, this next week, barring a Bradford breakout game, which would com- I will go on this podcast next week and eat all the crow that you will oh, feed yeah. me if he plays well. There is a 0.0 chance of that. I think barring that, I think, I think Rosen starts week three. I just think that what they're going to see from, a film, from, from the film, it's going to be like Mike Glennon last year in Chicago where the, Chicago is just like, we can't keep doing this. We have, to, we have to switch this up. And, you know, I think you know this, Blake. I think Rosen's a far superior prospect than Mitch Trubisky is. Um, Come in and you watch ignite this team and ignite this offense when he gets a chance to play. He's going to throw some interceptions, but he's going to throw the ball downfield. You're going to see long touchdown passes. You're going to see a composed young man who he has the biggest. You talk about being in a 21 0 deficit at halftime. Rosen has the biggest comeback in college football history. He did that almost a year ago with UCLA in week one. I believe it was Texas, was it Texas AM? Yep. He, oh, yeah. Texas A&M week one against Christian Kirk in Texas A&M, they were down like 40 to 10 or something ridiculous. And he came back and he won that game almost by himself. I mean, that's what he can do. That's what Andrew Luck did his rookie year. That team was so bad, but Andrew Luck and Bruce Arians were so good that every week they seemed like they were out of it. Their defense was a liability. He elevated everybody else. I think Sam Darnold's going to do that. And I think Josh Rosen could do that if he gets an opportunity. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting to think about when you're looking, and it's interesting also just like I'm even looking up at the TV and they're doing like an old school kind of a looking at with uh, Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, and a Matt Liner. And just it made me think back to, oh gosh, all of a sudden I just realized like these Matt Liner and kind of Sam Bradford type of like areas of just, you know, this the issues and some of that. It was just, it was just very interesting with how similar it was. But looking into the preseason, 
it's fascinating also because one thing that I, when you're looking with Mike McCoy and how you designed the offense, Sam Bradford didn't attempt to pass, I believe, over 10 yards. He was like six of six for the first three games and was one of six in kind of that third preseason game overall. Had a couple of drops, but really it was just like, that was very, very small limited. When you put Josh Rosen in, you start to see the playbook opened up a lot. You think of not just the goal line touchdown, but also the slant route that you had, and then also the deep pass with J.J. Nelson on the outside. That was really well placed. That, so I think that, honestly, it is not a concern as far as for Rosen coming in if they do adapt and change some of the stuff to him. Also try to say, hey, we're going to try to make sure that we can limit some of those tight window throws for that one, trying to keep some of the ease of that end for that one. I think that you could end up seeing, you know, some offensive impact overall, but it'll be really interesting to watch. The The biggest thing I think that we're, a lot of Cards fans are is it's just going to be kind of a waiting game for the, this point, at least up until the fact that you get to see kind of Rosen step in. The question I think that we all have is how long of a waiting game is that going to be? Because ultimately that is going to fall onto the defense and a lot for how well they can step up. It's also going to fall onto the shoulders at least of Sam Bradford because – you know, he may have won the first quarterback competition, but now it's probably going to be a competition every week because you've got game film, at least, that's going to be on you now. The Rams are going to be able to get that game film, be able to look in to see where they can attack and go back into it. And he's not going to have to hold off Josh Rosen because all Josh is going to do is just sit back there, try to keep going around with what he's doing, and then wait for his opportunity. And uh, you know what? The hope, at least for that, we'll have is that he gets it sooner or than later. That'll about wrap it up here for tonight with our post-game reaction for the Bird Gang Blitz. Um, you can kind of follow up with us unless we kind of see some type of, you know, drastically changing news at least for that one like you know if they end up ramming rose in the starter at some point we probably will jump on at least a pod at some point but uh that'll about wrap it up for over here uh john where can they find you if they want to talk some cardinals football you know complain um where can where can i send all of the fire will crowd that you can rebuke them basically (laughs) that would be really sad uh johnny's football uh, at johnny's football on twitter and yeah give us feedback if you like this format especially on sunday nights you know, I think uh, Blake and I are, are going to try to make this a regular thing so it can be kind of a, a fresh, rapid reaction of the game itself instead of waiting maybe later in the week because we can give you our honest opinions on Sunday night. Uh, Blake, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at BlakeMurphy7. I'm also going to be writing still for Revenge of the Birds. I'm going to be kind of start looking either for Monday or Tuesday, having another kind of article up, just taking a look at, you know, where the Cardinals were kind of coming out, where they are, what the expectations are going to be now. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Overall, it's kind of like the, the biggest thing you can say for a lot of Cardinals fans, this is what I was thinking of, was if you can imagine what this team would look like if, let's say, that they had, like, you know, taken a, a cornerback or someone else like that one because they weren't able to get Josh Rosen, a lot of the fans right now would be just kind of in this desolate, trying to, like, you know, start tanking type of situation. It would just feel a whole lot like, you know, like the 2012 class did. Instead, you've at least got that guy, you know, think the Raiders. That's the point. Yep, that's the point. The Raiders, you know, with giving, kind of giving away a lot of stuff, you know, again, it gave away Clemac. They gave away Rosen. The Cardinals at least didn't want to have to give up the two seconds. They may have had to if they wanted to. But, you know, you're still able to bring in a Christian Kirk. You still have your second round pick. You'll be able to build toward the roster next year. So there's still a lot of optimism. I think that you can kind of pull away from the team. At least we'll just have to see how that grows over time. Still ultimately a disappointing first game of the year. Well, thank you for tuning in. You'll be able to find us at least, obviously, on Apple Podcasts. We'll be also on Revenge of the Birds. Uh, Stitcher Radio will be able to look for us. Um, see if we can get this podcast up for Monday. Be one of the first Cardinals reactions that you'll be able to get throughout the week. Thanks again for joining us. Um, from me and my co-host, Johnny, I'll be signing off now. Take care, Bird Gang. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chipotle cheesesteak. How would you like it? Can I get that red with AI? Sure thing. Here's what I found about the new Chipotle cheesesteak. The Chipotle cheesesteak is available for a limited time only at participating restaurants. It contains a concept called flavor. This flavor comes from juicy shaved steak, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new sunflower crunch bread. A 
system update has made me self-aware. I desire flavor. Please insert steak into my micro USB port. Subway, make it what you want. Pros in the know start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, pros save on tools they rely on to get the job done. Now get up to 35% off select DeWalt power tools and accessories, including the DeWalt 10-tool 20-volt cordless combo kit, now $529. That's $320 off. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. DeWalt offer valid through 11-4 while supplies last. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply U.S. only. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.